Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Um, Lord, I, I ask I ask that you you would just give us uh, insight into to what your word has to speak to us. Um, God, wherever we may be in our lives, wherever we may be feeling, uh, the, the feelings that are going on inside, um, God, just speak to us. Just speak, speak encouragement unto us that, that we can know that you are good and you are here today. Uh, we love you. We thank you. And Jesus, let me pray. Amen. All right. Sorry, I'm still getting used to uh, just situating uh, just in terms of making sure that that I can I can speak to you and, and still do all the PowerPoints and all the sound. I, I miss having our tech team. I miss having our our sound system team that does all that in the background uh, for for us, um, uh, you know, during the week. Um, today, today, I, you know, I'm just going through the book of first Peter, y'all like that's, that's all I'm doing. It, it basically is. I'm not, I'm not even trying to pick and choose, uh, what, what passages I, I, I preach to y'all. Um, really when it comes to when it becomes, when it comes to preaching, uh, my, my style, I try my best just to take a book that I feel is going to speak to you or going to speak to us. And I just, I just kind of go through it and I just, uh, read it like as, as chronological and sequential as possible. And uh, today's today's message is titled "Submitting Unto Authority," and and again, wherever your context may be, even as I'm reading this, I'm I'm asking the Lord, just speak to me, just speak speak whatever it is that you you want you want to speak to me. And today, it's it's about authority. Um, it's about it's about this idea of surrendering and submitting and honoring authority. These words that we're going to read in the passage, and I, I want you to take notice of it. Um, but I, I was thinking back to my life, and, and I'm sure many of you are probably sick of hearing about my life, um, but I, I've been actually blessed with, with really good bosses, you know, really good um, people in authority that were over me. I, I, maybe that's a p- part of it is that the fact that I'm a pastor, and so when I was a youth pastor, an associate, when I was kind of going through the ranks, um, you know, pastors are... are are kind of nice people as bosses. Um, they're, they're not. They're not terrible people, in, in by any means. Um, obviously, there is some friction. There is some times where uh, you know you're asked to do things that you're just like, man, this is so much work. I feel so abused and used. Um, again, I, I used to work in a Korean church. Um, you know, just even talking about my hours. You're working, you're working all day, day and night, and you're a part-time worker and you're working from the break of dawn uh, until like, you know, past midnight uh, on, on the weekends. And I just remember during that time, I felt so like burned out, but at the same time, so happy because the church was was so good um, back in Dallas. Uh, my church was, was was wonderful. And and there was this time where while I'm working in the church, um, being under authority, being under certain individuals, again, for the most part, Everyone who was above me in terms of like just telling me what to do, uh, it was always like with with a joyous heart. But there were were sometimes, and and I guess a a, a certain small subset of elders, um, and again, our church was Presbyterian, and so we had elders. You know, a certain some uh, there were some of these elders who were a little bit uh, curmudgeonly. They were a little bit uh, rough around the edges. Uh, they weren't they weren't necessarily the nicest people. And I remember just being a young youth pastor. Uh, they were usually nice to me, even though they were they were kind of uh, crusty. Uh, you know, just just mad. And I don't know. They would have that face that they would just look angry all the time. Um, and and I, I would just kind of take my distance and, and just just not uh, try to cross paths with them too much. But there were those times where uh, I would get in trouble, 
uh, as a youth pastor, you know, like the kids would be doing something and uh, they would break, you know, they would break a window or, or, or something like that. And they would come to me and they would uh, kind of ream me out and, and just, again, it was a Korean church. And so it wasn't that unnormal. Uh, 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 it wasn't that out of the cultural context, but, you know, just get getting yelled at, just being like, hey, you need to control your kids. You need to make sure that, that they're not playing basketball during this time. You need to make sure that they're not uh, dribbling the ball too loud or they're not running down the halls. Uh, there was one time in particular that I got, um, I got sternly spoken to when my kids were spray painting, um, something for this, this activity and they, they spray painted the floor accidentally and, and yeah, it kind of left all these marks and, and yeah, I remember during those times, it, I, I thought to myself like, oh man, like I'm so scared of these elders. I'm so scared of these uh, people who are over me. Um, but it was during those times where I remember when I would tell the kids, uh, and I would tell the youth students and I would say like, hey, guys, you know, the elders are, are, are pretty frustrated right now or they're pretty angry that you guys did this or or doing this. And so, you know, we need to really respect them. Uh, we need to respect what they're saying and we just need to you know follow along. So, you know, when they're when they're having this function, you know, can you guys not play basketball? Can you not can you not um, use that that side of church and just respect their spaces? Or, you know, if you if you're in this room, make sure you clean it better than how you found it. And and it's always interesting to me because um, the response of the kids was kind of split in two. The one one half was like very obedient. just like, oh yeah, Pastor Jeremy, we're so sorry uh, that we we did that. You know, we won't play basketball during that time. We won't, we won't make we make sure that the you know, we don't we don't mess up with uh, their functions and, and their their side of the church and and just kind of like being very obedient, good kids. The other half, they were the rebellious type. They were like you know, who are they to say? Who are they to tell us that we can't do this? Like, we're kids. Like, don't they know that as kids, like, we, you know, we're gonna make a mess, that we're gonna we're gonna be loud and we're gonna be rambunctious? Like, can't they have some grace on us? And and I remember just, like, talking to these kids and just, like, reminding them, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you guys gotta make sure that you know, um, you know, who's in authority. You know, who's who's in charge. And I know that may not sound like much um, in terms of dealing with authority, but I think this, this for us um, in our day-to-day lives is how we usually respond to authority when we come into friction with authority. When, when you have a good boss, someone that you agree with on everything, when you have a leader who's over you and whatever they say, you're just like absolutely right, absolutely right. It's really easy to submit under that authority. But imagine, imagine that you have an authority over you that you're just constantly in disagreement with because they're mean, like because they're not nice to you. And I think that that's kind of what happened in, in the church that I was at. Uh, we, we all loved each other. I think it was a very healthy church in a lot of ways. Um, but there were just some people that when they said something, when, they, when, when a word came out of their mouth, because they weren't the nicest person, because they weren't kind, people would just take their words and would just throw them out the window. And, and it's kind of this perpetuating cycle. Because they're not nice, people don't listen to them. Because they're not kind and they don't have that, that's, you know, that, those sweet words to say, they're just kind of rough around the edges. That when someone says, hey, you should do this, that people kind of automatically say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to listen because I don't like that person. I don't like how they speak. I don't like how they look. I don't like how they act. And it creates this this cycle that just continues that that person, although they're in a position of authority, they're not given respect. And so guess what? They become even more angry. They become even more upset. 
they become even more aggressive in their tone because they want to get something done. They want to make sure that they enact their authority. And so I remember even telling my kids, uh, my, my youth kids, like, hey, we have to still respect the Korean side. That's, that's how, like, specifically what I would say. We still have to respect KM. Um, you know, we, we, we may not agree with them. We may not agree with their methods or the way they speak to us, uh, but we have to, we have to respect them. And this, and this changed even as um, we moved on into the EM, as, as I was uh, upgraded, I guess, in, in ways, and I, I was working as an intern for the English ministry. There still was those friction between the elders of the Korean side and the English ministry. And there were, were these times where people would rub shoulders um, with, with people in leadership. Today, what I want to specifically talk about is not just submitting unto authority, as you can see is the title of today's message. It's, it's really a submitting unto authority that you disagree with. Today's message is about submitting unto an authority that you, you just feel like they're the worst. Like they are absolutely the worst people in charge. And again, I don't really have many stories for myself of bad bosses. Um, even even the, the example I gave you, that anecdote I gave you, it's kind of like taking an example and, and really stretching it as far as I can. Because in all reality, like most of the people that were, have been in authority over me are good people. But today's message is about when you're under authority of bad people, how, how do you handle um, being in authority under the authority of someone who's not good? You know, what are we to do? And so today in the book of 1 Peter, it really explains to us uh, as Christians how we're supposed to deal with people who are in charge over us, people who are in uh, governance over us that are not good people, that as believers, how are we supposed to respond? Today's message um, is highly practical for us today because regardless of what your political stance may be, and again, I'm not trying to be political uh, as, as much as I can be, but as, as we live in a democracy, as we live in the United States, um, whether or not you agree with leadership, the Bible does explain to us how we are supposed to act. So again, I, I hope this isn't too controversial. I'm just going to be reading to us from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 25. Verse 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 13 of 1 Peter says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And I want to stop right here. I'm going to leave the verse up just so that you can, you can see that I'm, I'm just quoting the Bible. And again, this is where I'm saying I don't choose what, what passage I'm, I'm preaching over. I'm just going through it straight through. And this is what the book of 1 Peter has to say to us today is that, is that I'm sorry. Like even if the people in charge, you disagree with them. Even if the people in charge, you don't, you don't think that what they're doing is wise, that you don't think what they're doing is good, the call that we have as believers is that we honor them. Even the way that verse 17, the very last verse in this section ends, it says, honor the emperor. And, and you may not think that this is that big of a deal for, the, for, for Peter to write this to, um, to his audience, but it is a big deal. 
Because during the time of 1 Peter, most likely, and again, we're not sure exactly what time this was written, but it, especially if it's in the life of Peter, most likely the emperor in this time is a guy named Nero. Uh, you know, this, this, this emperor of Rome is named Nero. And what he was doing, what this guy, what this emperor was doing was despicable. It was pure evil. What he was doing was he was rounding up all the Christians and he was, he was burning them. He was, he was burning them alive. That, that was one of the things that he was known for. I mean, yes, he, he took some Christians and he put them into the Colosseums and, and he allowed these Christians to be eaten by lions that were starving and, and basically these Christians would be martyred for their faith. This guy Nero. But also what he would do is he would, he would set people on fire and he would kill them in that way. And, and the only crime they committed was the fact that they were believers of Christ. And he didn't do this just to Christians. He did this to other people who were enemies of the state, um, to people who disagreed with, who disagreed with his way uh, of ruling, uh, of anyone who was an enemy of, of the emperor of Rome, that they would be killed. And so it, in, in all honesty, it, the, the government during this time, during the Roman Empire, makes any modern government, even the dictatorships, even the, the most evil regimes in our world today, makes them look nice in comparison makes him look kind because of how vicious Nero was as an emperor. And so this is, this is what I want to explain to you. The context of first Peter is that their government was terrible. I mean, again, you can have your, your feelings about uh, our government. Um, but guess what? In comparison to the time of Rome, man, uh, these early Christians were living in true persecution. They didn't have a constitution. They didn't have a bill of rights. They didn't have freedom of religion. They didn't have freedom of assembly. They didn't have freedom of speech. This was a time where literally saying the wrong thing, if you said the wrong words, that someone could legally kill you. That saying something against the emperor could lead to your death. And we already know about the crucifixion. We already know that there were people who were crucified because they were criminals. They were an enemy of the state. And Again, this is where we're like, that is barbaric. That is terrible. Could you imagine what it would be like to see a public execution? I hope that would make you feel a little uncomfortable. But this is, this is the, the type of government that was over the people in 1 Peter. It was terrible. But what is Peter's call? What is Peter's suggestion to them? Is that they do good is that they, they, they honor the emperor, that they still be subject to the emperor as supreme, that, that no matter how evil they were, that we still do good, to put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, that again, the way that you combat these foolish people and their ignorance is by doing good. What, what Peter is saying here is that the way that you fix evil in the world, the way that you address an evil system, the way that you fix it is not by doing more evil, but it's by doing good. I'm going to continue on reading. I, 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 um, I don't want to get lost um, and, and give too much of, of what, I, what I mean to say. I, I want to continue reading. So servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good, but uh, to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Oh man, 
Servants, be, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good masters and the gentle masters, but also to the unjust masters. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Again, this is, the, this is the word of God. This is what Peter is writing to the early church. This is what God is, is speaking to the early church is that, that when you do good and suffer for it and you endure it, this is gracious in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was re- reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continue entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I'm going to read verse 23 because uh, if you leave anything today, uh, this message, it's verse 23. It's about Jesus and that when he was reviled, he did, not, did, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Really, when it comes, uh, when it comes to the Word of God, um, I want it to speak to you. I I I want it it to be the Word of God um, that 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 speaks life into you. And and honestly, this this topic is is difficult because it, it it goes against kind of my inner being, kind of like just as how I view things. Because uh, I don't know if you, uh, as we've read, I use the ESV, but many of you use NIV and that's great. And that's, I think, and the NIV is a great version, but um, you may notice that in the NIV, the words that are used are a little bit different from what I was reading. Um, In the NIV, in verse 18, it doesn't say servants. It doesn't say servants be subject to your masters. In, In the NIV, it says slaves be subject to your masters. And, and the reason why I like the ESV, uh, for the most part, is that it uses a one-to-one translation, and uh, meaning that every word in the Greek is translated accurately into English. Uh, but this, this perhaps is, is one that I have to disagree with, uh, with the ESV. And, and again, I still like the ESV, and that's why I used it. But I, I would agree with the NIV in saying that it's slaves. I know why the ESV uh, makes it servants is because uh, in the Greek, the word actually does mean servant. I mean, it, it, it can be accurately translated in that way. But when we talk about who Peter is talking to, he is talking to literal slaves, people who are in bondage during this time. That's why in the beginning of this passage, even he tells the people to live as if they were free because they were in bondage of one sort of another. The reason why I, I, I want to I wanna bring this up is because of the, the way that this passage has been used in the past, has been used incorrectly. And not just in the past, in the modern era, but you have to understand that this passage in 1 Peter was something that was preached to by plantation owners unto slaves. That, the, that basically what, what would be used is that the word of God, the word of God would be used and thrown into the faces of these people, uh, of these slaves. And, and they would tell their slaves, 
Slaves, be subject to your matters with all respects, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And, and basically, the, the, the slaves were taught, they were taught that they, they had to surrender and submit under the authority of their masters. And it wasn't just this verse. There's, a, there's other passages in the Bible that talk about slaves obeying their masters. And, and they were, it was used in such a way that was so um, detrimental because that's not the context. That's not the reason why Peter is saying that is for masters to teach this to their slaves by no means. What, what Peter is saying here, and I don't want us to lose this, is that he's explaining that if you are under an unjust authority, if you are under an evil master, a bad master, that we have to endure it, that we have to, we have to not repay their evil with more evil, that we cannot repay their, their harsh words or their beatings with retribution, that we cannot threaten them when they threaten us, that when they revile us, that we are not going to revile in return, when they cause suffering to us, that we are not going to think about how we're going to enact revenge on them. See, Peter is talking to slaves in this time. He is talking to people that are in bondage, but he's not saying to them, you need to rebel. He's not saying to them, you need to uprise and you need to fight back and you need to make sure that you put these masters in, in their place. Man, what he's telling these slaves, he's telling them is that right now you are suffering and you're suffering. In your suffering, you are experiencing the suffering of Christ. That Jesus committed no sin and he didn't say a single word of deceit in his mouth and yet he was beaten and yet he was bruised, and yet he suffered, and yet he died. That is truly a great injustice. No one can say that Jesus being beaten, Jesus being bruised, and Jesus being placed on a cro cross was justice. No, that was a great injustice. But understand that Jesus did not fight back. Jesus did not fight back. If we, if we call ourselves believers, if we say we, we want to be like Jesus, we have to learn that his methodology, that his way of addressing injustices, his way of addressing evil is always with good. This, this, this doesn't make sense to a lot of us. It doesn't make sense to me a lot of times. But see, when Jesus was being put on trial, it was not a fair trial. I hope you know. <laughs> when Jesus was being called all these terrible names, it was not justified by any means. But what did Jesus do? Like really, how did Jesus respond to being put on trial for something that he did not do? Did he fight back? No. Not at all. He did not fight back. Instead, he went to the slaughter like a lamb, only doing good, only saying love, only, only doing these things. And, and yes, he was put to death. And, and that should make you feel uncomfortable that your Lord and Savior from doing nothing wrong was put to death. 
I'm going to continue reading. Verse 24. It's that he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You see, I, I, the biggest thing I want to teach you today, I want to bring to you, uh, is, not, is not from my opinion. Uh, it's not from my mind. What I want to teach you today is how Jesus responded to authority over him that was evil. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus was living in a government that was far worse than anything we've seen today in our, in our, in our modern governments. Uh, again, it doesn't matter what's happening even right now. Their context was far worse. I, I can guarantee you. Their context was far more unsafe. It was far more dangerous. It was far more unjust, unjust than what we see today. And yet, Jesus' response is one that we can learn from. Is that we have to honor the emperor. We have to honor, we have to honor the governors. We have to honor the people above us because we understand that God was the one that has placed them in charge and put them in authority. And see that, again, this is where I can already feel some pushback. I can already feel some people say, there's no way that I would honor the emperor. There's no way that I would honor, I would honor the president. There's no way that I would honor the governor. There's no way that I would honor the mayor. There's no way that I would honor these people. What are you saying? Do you not understand how terrible they are? Do you not understand how bad they are? And I can just hear the voices just saying like how much they disagree. And again, it doesn't matter what political party. I've heard it on both sides. I've heard I've heard if the, a Democrat or a Republican, I've heard just how bad this president is and I'm not going to honor them no matter what. As Christians, we are called to honor our leaders. We are called to honor those who are in authority regardless of what their political stance is. Because Peter is telling the people during this time to honor an emperor who was a murderer. To honor an emperor who was killing Christians openly and freely. Why do you think Peter was telling the early church to honor such a man? See, Peter isn't in this passage condoning slavery. He's not saying slavery is a good thing. He knows that slavery is a bad thing, that it is, it is stripping the rights of free people away. That's why he's telling his audience to live as free people because Jesus breaks away those bondages. He breaks away the chains that although we may be in chains and we have to remember Peter had been, had been in prison before. He had himself was in chains. But yet, it was about honoring it was about giving respect to even people you disagree with because that is what Jesus did. Because that is how Jesus acted and operated. You see, whether we like it or not, Christianity um, understands the chain of command. And, and this chain of command is so important for us. Um, <laughs> it's so important for us to remember. Um, Many times when we, we get lost in our perspective of things, we get lost in, 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 in seeing the world as it is. Uh, we see the problems and we see all the chaos going around. Um, 
you know, we're going through a, a Bible study on the book of Revelation. And I, I, the last thing I would want is for people to be like, oh, man, it's the end of the world. Uh, that's not that's not my goal. Um, yes, we may be seeing some pretty, pretty crazy things like the coronavirus and COVID, uh, you know, th- like, oh, maybe this is a sign of the end times. Um, the, the reason why I don't want people to freak out, <laughs> even as we read the book of Revelation, is because the chain of command always ends with God. The chain of command always ends with God who sits on the throne, who is sovereign, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing. If we talk about where the buck stops, where the responsibility ends and lies, the buck always stops with the Lord. And what I mean by chain of command is this, is that God is the one who has placed people in positions of authority. He has allowed them to be in authority because, again, he sits at the top. He sits at the top and so anyone who's in authority has been given has been given that authority by God. We find this in Romans chapter 13. And again, if you were in in joining us in in that Bible study, you heard me speak on that. But in Romans 13 it talks about how all authority is given by God because he's God. He's the one who sits on the throne and so anyone who has power has power because it's been granted by the one who has all power. And so here's the thing is that if we find ourselves within this chain, even if you don't like the person who's directly above you, that there is someone who's above them and there is someone who's above them and there is someone who's above them, that there is this chain of command. And, and you know what? You may not agree with anyone in that chain, but we have to remember that at the very top, the very top at this chain of command is the Lord. And, and we be, believe in a God who is, who is Trinity. So at the top of that chain is Jesus, is God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And so we trust in this chain of command. That's, that's what I believe that Peter is talking about here is that, yeah, you may not like your superior officer. You may not like the guy who's directly above you, but do you know who the, who's in charge of him? Do you know who's going to judge him? Who's going to, who's going to make sure that they're doing a good job? It's God. So whether or not you, you agree with the mayor, where, whether or not you agree with the governor or even the president, I want to remind you that there is someone who is higher than them, who is going to keep them accountable for what they do. Absolutely. Who is going to keep them accountable for their actions. But it's not you. It's not me. I'm not the one who's going to keep the, the, our leaders accountable for their actions. The one who is going to keep them accountable is the one who is above them. It's the Lord. And so, and so I think the lesson that we can learn is that the reason why we're called to honor those who are above us in authority is because the Lord is above us. And so if we can't honor the people directly above us, it's going to be that much harder to honor the Lord. This reminds me of that passage or the commandment that's found in Exodus of honoring your father and mother. And it's a very difficult one at many times because sometimes your, your parents aren't the most honorable people. So why is it a command? You know, I, again, I've heard this so many times uh, from people saying, you know, you don't know who my mom or dad is. You don't know how bad my parents are. So why would I honor them? Why would I honor my father and mother? I'm sorry. The reason why you honor your father and mother is because it's a chain of command. God is the one who placed them in your life. And even if you disagree with them, even if they're the most evil people in the world, 
you know that God is the one who placed them in your life, and so you honor them. It's not a conditional statement. It's an unconditional statement of saying you honor them. Y'all, again, I know how hard this is. I'm, I, I, I'm sure many of you, again, I can't even see your re- reactions or faces, and maybe in this case it's good, because this is a hard thing to say. Honoring someone who doesn't do right, who doesn't do good. Which leads me to my next point. That the kingdom of heaven is an upside-down kingdom. And I, I want to explain to you this in, in, in context of, of, of what I mean. When Jesus came down in the form of a man, when he came down for us, he came down not as the leader, but he came down as a servant. You see, this is so important for us to understand because what leaders are supposed to be are servants. They're supposed to be the kind of leaders that lay down their lives for the people that they serve. Again, this is why the idea of slavery doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. There are no slaves in the kingdom of God. And if there were slaves, that we are all slaves unto God. And this is where even Paul calls himself a slave over God. And why is being called a slave of God different than the idea of slavery in the modern world? Because if we are a slave unto God, God is actually the one who is serving us. And we see that in the life of Christ. You see, this is, this is really where um, the upside-down kingdom, the way leadership works in the kingdom of God is different than the, wor- the way that the, the regular kingdoms of this uh, world operate. Many times we see the people in leadership, they want people to serve them. But we live in a kingdom where our, our Lord wants to serve us. Where Jesus wants to serve you. Jesus is our leader and yet he wants to lay down his life for you. And again, if we're talking about chain of command, if the guy at the very top wants to lay his life down for you, it will help you through your times of suffering. If you're you're going through a time of suffering and you have someone over you, an authority over you that's being difficult, that's being harsh on you, what I want you to remember that the guy who's above him, the God who's above him has already laid down his life for you. This is the kind of leadership that that we strive for as believers. And this leads me to my, my final point in conclusion of, of today's sermon. And it's simply that you remember who you serve. The only way this works, uh, the only way you can honor someone who is evil, who is not good, the only way you can honor someone who's above you that doesn't do it the way that you think, the only way you can honor that kind of person is that if you remember who you serve. You do not serve, you do not serve people on this earth. Your service towards them is not for them. It's for God. So whether you have a boss that's a terrible boss, and I'm not even saying that there aren't terrible bosses. There are terrible bosses out there. If you serve a terrible boss who is just the most unfair, unjust person that you know, honor them. Not Not because it's a fake honoring or you're just doing it because you have to. Honor them because when you honor them, you are remembering that you don't serve them, but you serve God in heaven. When you have your parents and they are just 
doing things and saying things that you don't agree with, you disagree with them, and then you're at the dinner table, it's it's over the holidays, and you're just like, man, I disagree with you fundamentally at the core, and I just I just can't understand you. I can't I can't agree with anything you're saying. Honor them. Honor them because remember, you do not serve your parents, but you serve God in heaven. Remember who you serve. You do not serve man. You do not serve man-made institutions. We are servants of the Most High and Living God. So when we see injustices on this earth, yes, we stand firm for injustice. Because again, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus was a guy who preached, who talked about what the kingdom of heaven was like. But Jesus never lost sight never lost sight of who he served, that his will was the will of God, that he was to fulfill the will of God. And the way that you fulfill the will of God is by loving one another, is by loving your enemies. It's by turning the other cheek. It's by forgiving. It's by doing these things that we know are good. We live in a very difficult world. We live in a world that I'm sure you disagree with people. I'm sure there are people over you in in seats of authority over you that you fundamentally disagree with. But I want to encourage you that the way that you fight their evil, the way that you fight their, their systems that may be broken, the way that you fight is not by doing evil in return, is not by fighting. It's by loving. It's by loving. I pray for you. I pray that you would learn this lesson that that isn't my lesson to you. It's the word of God's lesson unto you. Um, Church, just just join with me in prayer at this time. Would you just join with me in a a time of prayer? Um, Just praying for, praying for our country. Uh, Praying, praying that that there would be uh, just peace. That people would come to know Jesus. Um, that as a community that we would that we would respond to the evils we see with good uh, that, that truly at the end of the day that God would be given glory and honor and praise dear Heavenly Father I thank you for this day I pray Lord that we would take the words of first Peter of, of Peter and we would take them to heart that even though Peter was writing to a group of people that were under a terrible emperor that Peter had the audacity to still tell them to honor this emperor. Oh, man. Lord, I pray that you would give us that same heart and that when we do suffer, when we do see, um, when we do see these kind of things that just make our blood boil, that, Lord, we would not have uh, our reactions be tainted by our sinful nature, but instead we would take the reaction of Christ, of Jesus, Lord, that we would be more like Jesus each and every day. Father, I just ask that you would have mercy on us. That you would guide our country through this time because, yes, you are at the top. And so, Lord, help our country to repent and just turn back to you. We want you in charge. We want you to be the one who sits in the seat of authority. So just help us. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, Again, we have a time of fellowship for those who are able, but the deacons um, at this time, you can join us uh, in in the deacon meeting. 
uh, just remember that, you know, we are praying for you. We love you guys. And so uh, have a great Sunday. Uh, have a great rest of, of your week. Uh, we love you uh, and, and hope to see you soon. All right, y'all.